0: Whether you like it or not, the age of AI is here. In his latest exhibition, Legacy, John Car- photographer John Carapiet is using AI technology to reanimate current well known and powerful figures, creating the sense of a time machine. AI is often used to bring back to life images of the deceased, but Legacy takes this concept to propel audiences to a hypothetical future, encouraging contemplation and med- meditation on the current state of the world, as if it were the past. Earlier, I spoke to John Carapiet about how he describes his latest work.
1: The show is large photographs that have been produced using AI, but they are stills from moving images that the AI created from still images. So I'm playing a little bit with moving images and still images, but the AI software that I was really interested in using Mainly because I found it so shocking, was um, software that animated images of dead people, your ancestors, on a you know ancestry.com type website, and you could go on and upload your your dead grandma or whoever it was, an ancestor, and the AI would animate it. And when I first saw that sh- um, that happen, I had a psychic shock. I really, I was really shocked in that almost in that tradition where. There used to be, and and some people may still have that kind of feeling, that photography has a slightly magical aspect. It captures the soul, some people used to think. Um, And some people may still think that, as I say. Um, And when I saw the AI animating these these poor dead people, and it was purely an artefact of the gestures it uses. You know, it's a machine thing. It's not really the soul in the machine. But it made me feel very sad that these people had been reanimated into a kind of like lost world by the, by the machine. And they didn't know why they'd been brought back. It, it really had a sense of, of them being in, in this lost no man's land. They didn't know where they were, They didn't know why they were there. And it was really that spook factor that often we get from things like AI. So I kind of worked through that shock and was working on... I mean, it's interesting. I, I worked on lots of different images of people from across time. And you can you can get online, you can find people who've been animating, you know, a statue of this person or a painting of that person. And I started to do the same, using the software. But I realised that, for me, the opportunity was, in a way, to change time, to use the machine, the AI algorithm, as a time machine. And almost just... It's a little bit of a kind of... Um, uh, not a pose, but it's a, it's a, a technique, I guess, to say... Well, what happens if you use the AI to not reanimate dead people, but to kind of reanimate living people, but present them in a historical kind of backward view? So the portraits are essentially living people who you're invited to contemplate about what they're contributing to the world today. And... Kind of what, how they might feel about their legacy when one day they will pass. So,
0: some of the um, large prints and the portraits include Donald Trump, Jair Bolsonaro. You've got Bill Gates, you've got President Putin.
1: How did you decide which ones to include? It was made much easier by ruling out all the dead people. Because there's a lot of dead people out there. Famous, interesting, you know, all the fascinating faces and the history that they imply, but they have passed. And so, I selected people who had a major impact in the world. Very interestingly, I'm no obviously I have my own judgments and values, and, and and so I was selecting them with a little bit of a bone in my mind, you know, like pointing the bone as it were, or or you know, a little bit of you know, hero, her, hero worship, etc. But I experienced something very interesting that. Of course, these are kind of more like Rolstein photographs because everyone's going to project what they think of that person onto them. So some people do love Donald Trump, and that's fine. And then some people love Bill Gates, and that's fine. Fine. The interesting thing was I I am a little bit more critical, not so much about necessarily his values, but the fact that Bill's got so much power to influence the direction of the planet. And when I talked to some friends recently, I was really shocked. These were friends in London from my old old university days, and they all came around with almost like a kind of um, separate wife comment, oh, no, he's just trying to help the world and be a philanthropist, and he's just trying to stop malaria. And and I'm sure he is, and I'm I'm not arguing against that, but they weren't interested in maybe a deeper contemplation of the power of, of Bezos, the power of Gates, of Zuckerberg, you know, not setting out to have that power, but they've got it, and they're changing the way we are living and how we relate to each other. And that goes back to a theme of my work from, you know, 20-odd years ago, where media and technology... You know, th- my earlier work was before we all had phones communicating and taking pictures and constantly engaging with each other through those channels. And at that time... I was thinking with changing the way we're relating to each other. We're losing our ability to be human because of the technology becoming a little bit of a a space creator between us. And, you know, nothing particularly unique about that that observation, but it has been a little bit of an obsession. And I guess that's what this work's about too.
0: This particular work and your previous work has often centred around the face, the human face. What is it about that that you're drawn to that intrigues you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I guess it's the, I mean, let's look at it from a slightly different perspective. What's intriguing about the face for our modern society and technology, bringing in facial recognition? I mean, I'm I'm kind of interested in the, as I say, the, the relationship that the human face creates between people I mean it is our identity it is our culture cultural signaling is it is obviously our gestures and our views and and thoughts that can sometimes be shown on the face so it's always been an obsession of mine in terms of I I would describe myself as a portrait photographer even though I do obviously lots of other photographs and also a very traditional photographer I guess that's the other um, lens excuse the pun to bring to the project is that I've I've never really been interested in AI. I mean, I think, you know, obviously we you can be for or against it, but at the end of the day, it's here, so we're going to live with it. Um, I'm much more interested in critiquing it. The, um, the human face, I guess, one of the last recent projects I did was a project called Stomp, which was actually looking at the human face destroyed. And it was very much a philosophical kind of contemplation on passing of time. And it was all statues that had been damaged in different parts of the world in different periods. But it was also about identity being... You know, erased, and as a as someone of Armenian descent, I'm half English, half Armenian by parentage. You know, and you know, and watching what's happening in Gaza today, um, and you know, t- to the Jewish people in the Holocaust, there's an empathy that runs from the Armenian Holocaust to the genocide of the Jews to the suffering of the Palestinians and and all the things that have gone on in, in between. So a lot of my older work, including some of the collages, were all about how the media was almost numbing us to the effect of war by showing us on the TV screen. And, of course, I started saying that 15, 20 years ago, and now we're all sitting watching it on our TV screens and all feeling that kind of emotional signaling that, that you know, we're not there, but the the, the, um, the feelings are there. Yeah, and you know, and I think that having that empathy and, and, and enabling empathy, legacy is very much about looking back. Obviously, by the name, and also it refers to legacy media and legacy photography. As I say, I'm an old-fashioned photographer. <laughs> Didn't really touch AI. I never used to retouch my photographs. So, I mean, you know, I'm really... And the reason for that is because photography itself is up for grabs. You know, especially with AI, you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know whether it's real or fake. And so the less fake I was taking, you know, I could make my photographs, and, and it's still the way I do it. Um, the better you know trying to make things simple and easy and clear and honest is kind of like the opposite of what our main modus operandi in advertising <laughs> and being clever and having long texts well, so- currently
0: with social media and, and you know instagram and all those images that we consume every single day you just don't know really what you're looking at, at the, and filters and all that sort of thing especially with filters in the face
1: Absolutely. And, you know, in a way, I, this work was a journey because, as I said, I reanimated the photographs of living people and then grabbed a still shot to present them as an old photograph. I mean, I was tempted to use the animation of them. But again, it's like, you know, there's so, I think the challenge of AI to the arts is that it's, so, uh, it's such a kind of cornucopia of you know, creativity. But unless the human actually marshals it, I think all you're going to get is more AI creativity. And in in a way, I've I've tried to be very um, restrained. All I asked the AI to do was to bring them back to life and pretended they were maybe not alive anymore.
0: As a photographer, as an artist, how do you feel about
1: AI? I'm more concerned about the fact that for people who make their living out of art and commercial production of images... And writing, of course, it's a kind of like a real competitor co- arrived on the market that means that the human might become more important and in a way that goes back to the work. I'm trying to elevate the human to kind of pass through the machinery and pass out the other side, pass through its gates, you know, s- frightening as they may be, and reconnect to our humanity. And I think that the challenge of AI generally, whether it's facial recognition for the poor old MSDs people or whether it's you know your your biometrics going through you know a passport controller whatever it is it is the currency of our time it is um becoming something that's essentially kind of no longer owned by the individual and your ancestors that brought you into your being but now something that's used as a record or as a or or, or as a toy to add filters to and change, etc. So there's a whole lot of complexities that AI brings. And I guess my feeling is that we need to hold on to our humanity as we engage with it, because as poor old Elon Musk said, you know, we're kind of unleashing the beast or whatever the phrase, you know, we're, uh, we're opening up the demon or whatever his phrasing was. You know, you do listen to people like that who are so close to it. You think, oh, really, if you're a little bit frightened, I'm a little bit frightened too.
0: On the surface, this exhibition is photography and the use of AI, but you've talked about passing through that and trying to reclaim the humanity. So in some ways, this is an anti-AI exhibition.
1: It's interesting you should say that because I did think about whether it's pro-AI or anti-AI. And of course, AI is is just AI. Sorry to make it sound trivial, it's AI is AI. (laughs) And um, so... To be anti it or pro it is not necessarily the most useful question because it exists and we're surrounded by it and it's coming and it's going to expand. So I'm um, again, it's, it's more of a, of, of a lens for humanity to moderate and regulate technology and obviously not just this technology but other technologies that I've often talked about. And it's that battle, I think it's a human battle, to say we're so clever now, we're so advanced. How do we maintain our connection to nature? protect nature and address the biodiversity loss and all of these things. Um, And the AI might help us do that, but also the AI might outsmart us in some way. I mean, if it can outsmart us by moderating our extremes and the damage we've done to each other in the world, then that must be a good thing. But it may not be that kind of moderation, it might be a different thing.
0: You're taking quite a hopeful stance.
1: I am taking a bit of a hopeful stance because I think it's worth living in hope because otherwise you can get ground down by the reality that we are allowed to see in the media around the world. So you could, you could become disabled or, you know, become stuck in responding to the world and I guess my artwork's part of overcoming that stuckdom um my other activities you know you can advocate um for, as a cons- for, for consumer rights etc all of those are kind of antidotes to to depression and overwhelm to say well look I'll do my, I'll try my bit and um so yeah I mean the overwhelm and the power of AI is absolutely frightening and But, you know, so are so many other things, and we can't allow it to disable us to respond.
0: Legacy by John Carapiet is on at Studio One, Toy Two in Ponsonby in Tamaki Makoto until this coming Thursday, and we've got those details on our website.